The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is time to get back in the sky and do what we do best. Get back in the sky. Fly? Yep, time to take this baby to 10 G's, so uh, let's grab our first story and <laughs> aim for the horizon. Oh, quick, as we are an all-purpose hockey show, um, the IAHF bronze medal game is going on right now as we speak, as we record. it. Last, last look, it was 3-2 to two U.S. over the Czech team, Chechnya, Czech, Czechnya. Yes, I don't know what Chechia. they call them. I, Chechia. I don't know what they call themselves now. However, it is more like a Boston Bruins alumni or homecoming game because uh, we have Krejci and Pasternak for the Czechs and we have Swayman and Kuhlman for the U.S. At the very least, there may be others that I haven't seen yet. And later so, today, it's Finland, Canada for the gay, uh, for the uh, gold. Yes. Um, we have a lot going on. Um, speak while we're on the topic of the Boston Bruins, though. Brad Marchand is looking to be out six or so months. Um, that could that means he could be the end of October, even into November, uh, with uh, with double hip surgery. Um, speedy recovery, boring recovery to him. Um, and let's hope that he is back to you know that hundred percent feisty, fat, flashy and ferocious uh, forward that we love. Well, this is a guy who likes to get outdoors and do things. Um, you know, they have he, he and uh, Kevin Miller with Marsh and Milko, so he likes to get out, hunt fish, outdoorsy guy. I'm wondering how this is going to affect him. It's going to drive him absolutely ape, is my impression. Having hey. to sit down and not do much or whatever I they do. I suspect the sit down and not do much phase will not be super long. <laughs> I, two, I, I imagine not. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, the recovery period is probably going to be way slower than he would like. Yes. Um, not that I think anyone actually likes recovering from surgery, but he doesn't strike me as a guy who likes to be still. No. Yes. That's and that's an impression. I could be totally wrong. I don't know him. I'm just he doesn't. I don't get the impression that he rests. Kick, yeah, kicks back and and I'm sure he does. Everybody kicks back once in a while, but I just don't see it as something that he's going to look with favor upon. So you're saying you don't uh, you don't see him sitting home on like. Uh, in the off season, with a couple of uh, with a couple of you know popular mechanics magazines and snoozing away the afternoon in a hammock, three days a week. One day, maybe, and three. that's probably one day a month. <laughs> yeah, three. No, <laughs> he just seems like a get up and go kind of guy. I it just I. I I imagine this rehab thing is is just going to yeah it, engage him further to get back onto the ice. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad he recognized it, had it done. We talked about it just pre-show. You know, 
why he because the quote says I'm going to need something done this summer or next summer, but we'll kind of take a look at that. I haven't talked to the doctors yet. We'll go through that today and decide what we're going to do. But then he's had the surgery. So obviously he talked to the doctors. They either convinced him that it was a good idea to do it now or he decided that it was going to help him. I don't know about elongate his career, but make his current make what he's doing now less painful. So I think it's going to be less painful and probably less severe. Um, if he's having hip issues right now, another year of play with the damage is only going to spread the damage and probably lengthen recovery time, which means that the six months he's going to have to deal with now might turn into eight months or 10 months uh, if he if he had waited or or potentially were. Yeah. No, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that he was able to get it done. He couldn't get back right right around the time the beginning of the season start of the new he's season. He's probably going to miss the, fir- the first month of the season, but yeah. that's well, he's going to have to ramp up. I can accept up, so. that. Well, anything to help the best left wing in in the game feel that much better. So, speedy recovery. Um try and do what you got to do there, Brad, and, and we look forward to seeing you come October. Uh, we did mention that we are one of those full-service uh, hockey shows. Uh, in fact, Usually. we might actually be the first full-service hockey show. Um, so we're going to mention right up front uh, that UMass Amherst is hosting a variety of summer camps uh, this July and August for – uh, kids uh, to, uh, born 2002 to 2008 um, are going to be working with the NCAA D1 coaches, student athletes, compete against the best players from U.S., Canada, and the world. You can go to new newnewmassmasshockey.com uh, to sign up for these programs. There's going to be video analysis, skill development, games and practices, uh, championship-level instruction, uh, there's going to be camps July 14th through 16th for the 02 to 06 birth years and August 3rd and through 5th for sevens uh, for 07s and 08s. Um, and I have now figured out why the colleges and universities in New England are so good when it comes to hockey. They start recruiting early. <laughs> you, you can't not. I mean, kids commit at 15 to their colleges, sports colleges or hockey colleges. It's it's kind of weird. No, I I understand that. I'm just if this and, and I'm glad that they do this because anytime you can advance your game advance the 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 youth's game you know improve their skills their their talent but at the same point in time you can't honestly tell me that the coaches that are going to be there aren't you know getting a nice little looky-loo at the future here (laughs) oh absolutely and see i and that's where i have to wonder where the split is between uh, for the kids between being interested in working with that coach again and being interested in working at that school. 
because mm-hmm. I mean, for the for say the '08, those kids are what 15 at this point. Mm, yeah, 14, 15. Five years from now, uh, three to three to four years from now, when they're ready to start college, their coach might still be the coach that they worked with this summer might still be at that school. Colleges tend to have less turnover than the pros. Um, But, you know, someone who's an assistant coach that they really, really like at UMass Amherst um, could be the head coach over at Clarkson, or maybe they're an assistant coach uh, at Colorado College, or, you know, maybe they're leading the Bulldogs out in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. No, I I, I understand that. and. And and yes, I don't see as much turnover in the college game, in, and it could just be that it's not reported as widely because it, uh, college hockey seems more regionalized unless you're one of the the big power schools like a Michigan or a Minnesota. Or, but at, at the same point in time, they, the, the coaches, the, the teams get a look at you – you get to learn from all – you get to, to draw on the knowledge from these coaches and these athletes that are coming in, student athletes. It, it's a benefit to both. Absolutely. It's a benefit to both the attendees and to the schools that are, that, that are coming in and doing the teaching. So a symbiotic relationship, to use a big word. I mean, it, it's, it's nice that they're doing this at UMass. I, Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't and remember hearing coaches, about this last year, but it, it, I imagine this. You can see the trends in skill development um, across a wider pool than your than your coaches are probably able to get to over the season uh, when they're doing their recruiting and scouting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a great thing um, just to be able to baseline your your perspective on things. I imagine there's quite a turnout for this too. I I imagine they don't have their they're not going to have very many open slots. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, where to next? What do we got? I mean, there's just lots of stuff. Uh, uh let's see. Um, let's let's actually look at the series that's still being played. I guess. There is one series still remaining before we can actually anoint uh, Eastern and Western Conference finalists. And that would be Carolina and the Rangers because the Rangers just won't go away. Or as you said, I was going to say, as you said in the pre-show, Carolina can't win on the road. <laughs> and I don't get it. They were so good all year, and it didn't matter whose barn they were playing in. <laughs> and now this. Like, we are – if they win at home, they're going to get to the conference finals without a road win. With That makes way less sense than even, like, that – even the Bruins Cup year where they had one of the worst power plays in history. Mm-hmm. That said, the games that I've seen have been entertaining. I, I don't doubt they've been, I don't doubt they've been entertaining. I've seen 
not a lot of this series. I've been I was focusing on Edmonton, which I was eh, not happy about. I just Mike Smith is playing like Mike Smith of 15 years ago or something. I don't know, he just he seems to have been reinvigorated. So I was concentrating on that series. Um, obviously, everybody focuses on Colorado, St. Louis for whatever your reason is. I mean, I focus on it because of the talent. And, and that was that was another fun series. And it was a fun and it was a very fun series. I didn't I haven't seen much of Carolina and the Rangers, but at one point, wasn't it three one or three zero or yes, yes it was. And um, I, th- I I really thought the Rangers were gonna get run out of the playoffs. And yet I, here we are, three yeah. three, and Shesterkin's making thirty seven saves and getting a couple of assists and <laughs> I guess I guess it, I guess he brings new meaning to the if you're gonna do it if if you if you gotta do it best do it yourself or whatever the however the phrase goes and, right do it yourself yeah I mean the Canes have been at least somewhat undisciplined uh, by their standards uh, because Panarin scored a five on three goal <laughs> in the third um, against them in the most recent game. I don't know what's going on here. Like, I like the Rangers. I think that at this moment, they're ahead of schedule. They're playing above expectations as a team. Mm -hmm. But they still shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be this close. This is a series that should have been over 4-2 or even 4-1 with Carolina moving forward. Well, Chris Kreider shouldn't have scored 50 goals either, but he did. Chris Kreider scoring 50 goals this season might be the single biggest surprise (laughs) of the entire year. Not because he's untalented, but because for him, it's, it's pretty unprecedented. Yeah, I just... Unfortunately, in 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 other sports, that kind of performance might generate, and we've said it before, but it might generate a random uh, air quotes, very random, random test. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats over in the Rangers Canes uh, series, Zabinajad is doing <clears throat> amazing things. I mean, he has nice runs here and there, but he's got 16 points with seven goals in his uh, 13 games so far, as does Adam Fox. He's got almost an assist per game this postseason. Um, behind them for scoring in that series, um, Tivu Teravainen, who's at 11 points in 13 games, is the highest scoring member of the Canes at this point, which is somewhat worrisome because... He's got exactly the same number of points as Brad Mich- Brad Marchand, who only played seven games. Um, I, another I, missed opportunity. This whole Andrew Cop. Yeah. Ten points, five goals, five assists for the Rangers. Mm, comments shall not be made. 
Uh, Sebastian, uh, I mean, then you have Panarin <laughs> and Aho, both 13 games, 4, 6, and 10. They, uh, they, they made some interesting – I mean, they brought in Derek Stepan. They, they – obviously, you bring in these guys at the deadline. I just – it all comes back to this whole road situation, though, and the fact that, okay, yep, they've got another Game 7 at home benefits them, but to get to the point that they're at and not having – and to not win any road games is staggering. Staggering is not an inappropriate choice of, her, of words. Um, I literally, I can't explain it. I mean, yeah, you can talk about the teams being, all of the teams in the East being really close. You had eight teams with over a hundred points. Um, uh, when you finish the season, Calgary, uh, Carolina had 116, the Rangers had 110. Um, so it's not like one of these teams is terrible and the other one is the best ever. I mean, Carolina had 54 wins. The Rangers had 52. The Rangers. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. The the Canes are really taking it on the chin here on, on social media, as far as their road, the best comment that I saw was the last time the hurricanes won a road game in the playoffs and regulation, it was at Nassau Coliseum. That's not used by the NHL anymore. Yes. That's just sad. It, it's been, from what I've read, it's been an entertaining series. I will watch game seven. Um, I'm we'll just, see where it goes, but I'm still, I'm just baffled that they can't win on, that Carolina can't win on the road, especially after uh, being after tied, was it tied for second in road wins. They were pummeling everyone all regular season. Not beating them, pummeling them. And yes, that game is going to be Monday night, 8 p.m. ESPN. Um... And then game one of Edmonton, Colorado is going to happen. And we go from fun to – is it possible to have more fun? We're going to 80s hockey, folks. You think of the players. There there might be less fighting, but, like, as far as open end-to-end hockey – yeah, this is this is going to look like a three on three overtime with five people for sixty minutes plus a night. I I know that in in the in what I've seen on various sites, it's all about ah. Oh, well, you got McDavid and Drysaitel versus McKinnon and McCarr. That's nice. Well, there are more involved people, as we talked about yesterday. There's um, Evander Kane and Nazem Kadri. Evander Kane. He's so much fun. There's uh, Mike Smith and Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper, who was mm, third string at one point in Minnesota before he moved to L.A. and Arizona and 
now in Colorado. Mike Smith, who has been much traveled and, as I said, is playing like a much younger version of himself. I mean, the way he's moving in this playoff series, he he's he he looks like a man determined. I don't know if he's getting ready to. I I, I don't know if he's feeling his more feeling his mortality. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but um, that that wouldn't be unreasonable. Um, but here's the uh, the only thing that worries me is Edmonton's defense, and and that's why if I had to pick. A winner. I'm. But let's talk about the players before we get into the, All right. into the prediction. Okay. Because there's a lot of fun going on here. Well, I yes. mean, there's goal scoring and more goal scoring and more goal scoring. Physicality. That's and that's the thing. The physicality. Like people have people have talked about Nazim Kadri's supposed near near murder of uh of the blues goaltender no that's not what happened if you think that's what happened go lay down until the feeling goes away um but gabriel yeah. landeskog has thrown what is it twice as many hits as as kadri this this postseason um, Kadri has 13 hits through the 10 games this uh, this postseason. Gabriel Landeskog, nope, I'm sorry, it's not twice as many. It's three times as many. Oh, there you go. Three times as many. 39 hits through 10 games. Um, <laughs> and which, like, which is starting to me because. Landeskog always Landeskog always attempted to throw his weight around. I mean, I remember a time when he a- attempted to somehow irk Milan Lucic, and Milan just kind of grabbed him right in the center of his chest and slammed him against the boards. And and, and so I got to give Gabriel a little bit of credit for putting up for for standing up at that point in time, but. I think that was I think that was Landis Gog's first or second season. Yeah. And he's he's bulked up a bit since then. But this series is so much more than just the two or three big name or biggest. Oh, absolutely. Names. Uh because you have intrigue up front, and yes, no one's going to pretend that this is going to be a goaltender's uh series um because quite honestly Darcy Kemper's playoff uh career uh career playoff goaltending mm-hmm. not particularly spectacular it's only got a not in this playoff she's only got a 904 save percentage no yeah, shutouts not, 904 save percentage um no shutouts. 2.44 goals against. I mean, it, it, it's not like he's overwhelming anybody with his numbers. I mean, 
Mike Smith with a 927. The thing is, his goals against is a 2.7, which, again, yes, leads you to make the statement that goals against is a team stat, not a goalie stat. And I get that, but neither one of them goals. I mean, neither one of them is really. Mike Smith has faced better offensive teams this postseason. Calgary, I mean, yeah, Calgary is a better offensive team than St. Louis. Mike Smith has played three more games. But he also has two shutouts. Yes. In that time. He does also have an assist. And for me... (laughs) <laughs> While I don't necessarily think shutouts are the most fantastic star- stat to talk about for goaltenders, I think they're a useful measurement. I will say that the ability to stay focused for all 60 minutes and maintain vision and puck tracking is important. And it's never going to, it's not going to be more important this postseason than this series. Um, I mean, to me, to me, I think that coming out of the East, it's probably going to be Tampa Bay again. Because guess what? Carolina can't win on the on the road. Can Tampa Bay win on the road? I I think Tampa Bay can beat either the Rangers or the Carolina Hurricanes in a seven game series. I mean, Andrei Vasilevsky does have a 932 save percentage and a 2.22 goals against. So, yeah, Antiranta is not too far behind him, though. I mean, the, the goaltending in that particular, if it, if it does end up being a Carolina-Tampa Bay series, then goaltending is going to be important in that one. Especially with point uh, recovering and yeah, possible for the next round. No one's counting him in. Don't say that you heard that here. It's just possible. It's not likely. It's not expected. It's not game time decision. It's possible. Possible? Yes. But as far as the West is concerned, Colorado, I, I just, you look at their defense, and yes, we it's it's Darnell Nurse and the backup singers in Edmonton. I love Darnell Nurse. We talk about him all the time. How many other defensemen? Okay, yes, they have Tyson Barry. Uh, if you well, I know believe, you're a really big fan of. If you believe that Tyson Barry is a defenseman, I wish you good fortune and uh, please. Hey, Get some help because Tyson Barry, not really a good defenseman. Yes, he can quarterback your power play. Yes, he can score goals, get points, but defensively, eh. Um, other than that, though, can you name they? Ethan can Barry, I name gone. or can other people name? Can you name anybody else on the defense up there? Uh, there's Evan Bouchard. Okay, you're looking it up. That's cheating. Uh, I already had it up, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Duncan Keith is up there. And I've always thought that Duncan Keith was better offensively than defensively. Yes. And at this point, he's he's certainly not descended to my, to mascot status, but he's still, but he's also not a superstar anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh wow! I forgot okay. Warren Global was up there. Yeah. No, their defense is not exactly star-studded. It's not that last great run of the Red Wings where you had four uh, four guys whose jerseys were probably going into the rafters or into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I wouldn't call it patchwork because they, they're effective. Okay. That's really all you can say about them. And effective isn't necessarily isn't necessarily the best <laughs> the isn't necessarily going to get it done even when you have ridiculous talent up front. And they do have ridiculous talent up front. Yes. I mean just between their top three goal scorers, you have uh what is it, twenty six goals? Between McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Kane. 26 goals between those three players. Okay. Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, and Evan Bouchard are another 15 goals. (laughs) Um, And then there's everyone else. So they're relying heavily on their top two lines for goal scoring? That's that's the way it's supposed to work, which is something that they keep saying here in Boston. That they have to have secondary scoring. You have to have other people scoring. You can't just rely on the top lines. And guess what? Edmonton has made it further into the playoffs than Boston. True. Can't argue that. You can make you can make comparisons between the overall quality of the two conferences. But. At the end of the day. You can only play who's on your schedule. And Edmonton is doing it better than Boston at this point. In fact, Edmonton is doing it noticeably better. Fair enough. Partly because, you know, they did pick up Evander Kane when he was out there for 399. You don't even want to get me started on that. Screaming. Screaming about it. What? But, but the defense in Colorado, even without Sam Girard, you've still got Devin Tays, Kale McCarr, Bowen Byram. Um, think, think, think. Who else is there? Um, is Eric Johnson playing or is he hurt? But you got Eric Johnson, who's been there forever. Eric Johnson has indeed been playing. He's uh, 10 games in. Plus seven, uh, one, four, and five. I mean, they're... Yes, I think that overall the defense of the... of the abs is better. I think that they're better, probably better offensively. Okay, they're clearly better offensively. Mm -hmm. And at least as good defensively. Because, well... 
You've got, I mean, you've got Josh Manson, you've got Bowen Byram, you've got Devin Tays, you've got Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard is out. He, uh, hopefully, I don't, yeah, he won't be back this offseason. Um, no, he's done. And because because um, Gerard is out, Jack Johnson has slotted in, picked up three games of play. Uh, yeah, but I believe if if I'm not mistaken, he has no he has no points per se. No points, but uh, in twelve twenty one, he's also not a negative, not uh, and no penalty minutes. So I don't think I don't think he's a detriment to the team. He may no, not be he's, putting he's clearly not a detriment. He's just not as offensive. He's not as offensively impactful, that's for sure. Um, it sounds like you know who you're picking in this series. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, you know, it's scary because I've been picking against Edmonton every round. <laughs> I thought the Kings were going to beat them. I thought Calgary was going to beat them. Calgary should have beaten them. Yes. The Kings, the Kings, Edmonton was the better team on paper and they, and they showed up and showed it on the ice. Do, do we want to, do we want to dive into Markstrom's demons right now? Seriously? (laughs) All you Markstrom's demons can be summed up in, in five syllables. It's Edmonton Oilers. Yes. You, you look at his splits. He's never been good against them. I don't know why. As as you said, the, the, there are some the players have that they have that one team that is their their kryptonite, as you said. Uh, there's that one, and it happens in all sports. There's that what you know. There's the pitcher on the mound who happens to have that one guy that he can never get out. You know the comes up to the plate and, oh, this guy's hitting 700 against him. You know, there's there's always that that one that. Oh, and it's it's always fascinating to see who it is. I mean, for some players, they never get over it. For some players, they just squeak by it. Um, I still remember going into the into the Bruins Cup run. Uh, in 11 and saying, I don't know if they can beat. Montreal, but if they can, no one else in the East scares me. And they barely escaped Montreal. Yeah. I mean, it probably helped that Ferenc had his wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) It didn't help that Zdeno Chara was sick for two two games. Wasn't Wasn't he green? He was literally green on all of his exposed skin out there taking the pregame skate. And Julian had to quite bravely say, no, you're not playing tonight. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm wondering what kind of how deep Claude Julian had to dig. To get into Dano Chara's face and say, no, you're not playing tonight. <laughs> because Zdenim Chara absolutely looked like he was going to murder anyone who said he couldn't play. Yeah, well, there was that. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly very. He looked like he was about two shades lighter than the Hulk at that point, and 
Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how many head coaches in the NHL could have actually said no to him at that point. It's a very good point. And uh, we could and and from that we could segue one of two ways. We can keep talking about Nazem Kadri or we could segue to another head coach. Well, I think we should finish our actual predictions because you didn't uh, actually predict. Uh Yes, I'm going to pick Colorado. I'm going to pick against Edmonton again. I'm going to take Colorado. However, okay. I will give however I will give Edmonton a fighting chance and say Colorado in six. I'm actually going to go Edmonton in six because they're getting better goaltending right now. <laughs> I can't I can't argue the point. They are getting better goaltending. Darcy Kemper is not himself in the playoffs here. That and being said, I don't know if he has as much playoff experience. I That's the one thing I didn't look up is just how much playoff experience he actually has. Playoff experience, so it's not He's got like twenty-seven. Is doing it for the first time. He's got a whopping 27 games of playoff experience. Yeah, that's that's still multiple, multiple uh, series. But you've got whether you're talking about the number one, number two scorer on either team or who's the most physical, you've got two really polarizing personalities behind the superstars and not very much behind the superstars because Evander Kane is just short of lapping the field in goal scoring. And Nazem Kadri is, isn't he up to double digits? He's got 10 or 11 goals now. And not 10 or 11 goals. He's got ten, he's at a point per game for the postseason. But he yes. was he beat up on on the Blues uh, in the last round. Uh, that's going to be if you if you're all about the offense, uh, the way some people are all about the base. Don't miss this series. Vander Kane, he couldn't have beat up on the Blues. He was busy playing Calgary. Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, Vander Kane is at 12. I thought you were talking about Kadri. Kadri, it's like you said, though, it's both of them. I mean, Evander Kane, yes, he's got he's doing his thing. He's he's actually close to, if not a point per game or more. Nazem Kadri Kadri is doing it. He's the one who he's he basically dragged that team through the Nathan McKinnon injury earlier in the season. I mean, yes, he did. And he's been very consistent this postseason. Um, McKinnon really didn't do much in the first half of this series against the Blues. And then he had that wake-up game where he had three goals and an assist, and they still lost. And I want to see how he bounces back from that Mm -hmm. uh, next series. Like, if he can come in and put up, say, two goals and assists in game one, Oh, it's going to be a barn burner. Like, if they, unless they're setting the over at like eleven in this series, eleven per, goals per game in this series, bet the over this week, guys. <sighs> Just if it's three or four or five or six, that's going to be easy money when you bet the over. <clears throat> um, five goals, five assists out of Kadri. Now. Kadri is a center. He's also a UFA this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got 
a new contract to play for. He's got a... Uh, and we don't know... And he's got all sorts of nonsense off the ice following him because he dares to play hockey, you know, really well and play it to the hilt. Um, when I put this story in from Ken uh, McMillan, I dubbed it the Summer of Kadri because with his UFA season and all the attention on him because of his play and because other people have their heads up their backsides. He's getting paid. He's going to get paid, and he's going to be tied to pretty much every team who are not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Although I'm sure <laughs> they will still, I'm sure they will still pop up at least once. Um, do, and do you Kevin really think he wants to revisit is, that? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do you really think he wants to revisit that? I go back to Toronto. No. No. Uh, they treated him horribly. He's a guy who's playing third line up there unless they decide to move Tavares to wing or, you know, they they actually end up breaking up the band and moving on from one or two of the better played of the guys making north of 10 million. I was going to say, what do you think his ceiling is? I mean, his current the contract that is expiring now is four and a half per year. Uh, AAV. As they say, four point five um, mil per. Can he get? Can he get close to? I don't know that he can. I don't know that he's going to come close to doubling it. Can he get to seven? Oh, I think seven is about the minimum he's going to accept. Um, if he had eighty-seven points this season, eighty-seven in seventy-one games. I mean, he's thir- he's thirty-one. He's He's got two be, 30 goal seasons under his belt. He was very nearly there this year with 28 goals. He's going to turn 32 at the beginning of next season. And? And um, I'm not saying that he's old, but what I am saying is that he's not getting younger. I don't know anyone who is getting younger. All right. That's my point. He's, seven and a half. I, I think seven and a half is probably about where he'll land. But if someone tosses him a contract for eight and a quarter to come in and be their number one, number two center, unless they manage, unless they make it a seven year deal or Colorado goes ahead and signs him for eight because they can at eight, eight and a quarter. I don't think it's a stupid deal. Like, if okay, if the Islanders want to make him their number one center. Granted, I think they need a coach in order to do that, and I don't remember them hiring a coach yet. Oh, wait a minute. No, they did. They did. Um, but if the Islanders want to make him their number one center, mm-hmm. I think a seven-year contract is too long. Um, yeah. But. So this particular article. This one is uh, This one is probably the first we're going to talk about. Uh, of, of many. <laughs> but if they want, let me finish. If okay. they want to make him their number one, number two center, they've got Barzal, who's a pending RFA after next season with arbitration rights, who's making seven now. Uh, Barzal is 25 um, and finished the season with only 59 points in 73 games on a admittedly dismal team. 
Um, if they brought him in and you have Barzal and Kadri as your one and two, whichever order you want to put them in, and you're paying him eight and a half million okay. for the next four or five years, that's not a broken deal. Because he's good at the faceoff dot. He's a 200-foot player. He's mm-hmm. proven he can produce in the playoffs. And I I can't see him making a significant retreat offensively because he's had those 32, those two 30-goal seasons in the past. This wasn't a complete aberration. Um, this isn't... Um, Riley Nash coming to Boston and having a blowout career year and then immediately reverting to form as soon as he pulled off the black and gold. Okay. That said, I think six years at seven and a quarter, I'm comfortable with. I think that anyone who's trying to sign him for like a three-year deal is probably wasting their time and his time. And I think that anyone who's foolish enough to call his agent up and say, yeah, we want to pay you five and three quarters uh, to come play here. Five five 5.75 million. Okay. Yeah. First of all, if the agent hasn't hung up or laughed hysterically or both, Kadri needs a new agent. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that I think the money starts at seven and that is literally like the, the ground floor. Like you can't go lower than that. And I think that I, literally I think that seven is someplace with really low taxes, like, you know, going to Florida where there's no income tax or. um or something like that. California, any of the California teams, I don't see him at under eight. Does he go back to the Eastern Conference? Because this article clearly is asking if he was is going to, you know, could Montreal be the place for him? Do you see him coming back to the Eastern Conference, to the East or the Eastern I, Conference? I don't know that he has a huge preference. I mean, if you look at his playoff numbers, his best performances have been against Western Conference teams. Uh, You hit the splits, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that he has a huge preference. He's only been out in Colorado a couple of years, and he started his career in the Eastern Conference. Um, I mean, he played, what was that, nine years for the Leafs? Yeah. If he's coming to the Eastern Conference, I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. I think he wants to, at this point, he wants to win a cup. And I think that he's going to pick from the two or three teams he thinks has, he's going to have the best shot to do that at. I mean, yes, playing the money is no object game. You know, my question is, you know, he spent all that time in Toronto, had issues. Would he come back to a Boston Bruins? If he could come back to the Boston Bruins, knowing that he was going to play with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak <laughs> behind Patrice Bergeron and Dave and Brad Marchand 
uh-huh. and whoever is on whoever is filling out that corner of the the other corner of the ice this year. Uh-huh. He, if the money works, I think that there's a chance that he would do it. Um, I mean, him and Marchand were not particularly friendly, but that's because him and Marchand are pretty similar. They like being the villain. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's why I'm asking the question. Do you because I mean, there, there's history. I mean, I mean, my for me, it comes down to I don't know that the cash is going to be there, and do I they, also don't know that this is the team that's even even with the mystical magical assumption that Patrice Bergeron is going to be back because he's not signed, he's not mm-hmm. getting younger. Um. And I st- as we were talking about pre-show, I think that the Bruins need to um, – I think they need to change the elements of their four, of their uh, three through uh, six D and yeah. by moving at least one of those guys in order to have a better shot. Um, but if the Bruins could pick him up without having to expend any of their scanty – resources to do so and they're returning Bergeron that that puts them back into do, the top do you, do you can he be okay as a follow-up can Nazem Kadri be a number one center Not the same variety of number one center as I'm not, I'm Patrice not saying, I'm not saying compare him to Patrice. Can Nazem Kadri be a number one center? Does Is he? Okay. When you say number one center, are you saying he's going to be the number one center on at least 20 teams in the league like I would measure it? Or are you saying elite number one center where he'd be the number one on 29 teams in the league? No, the twenty teams in the league. He's he's not Patrice yes. Bergeron. There aren't there are no Patrice Bergerons except for the one that's currently playing in Boston. Well, he's no longer signed. He doesn't his his players. Okay, the one that, the one that up until two weeks ago played for the Boston Bruins. Actually, um, don't contracts expire in July? Technically, yes. Okay, so he is still a Bruin. Um. I'm. I just try and get used to the separation early. Oh, okay. But yes, I'm just. I think yeah. that he he has the. My worry with him as a number one center is the same worry that I have with Brad Marchand when he's the best player covered on the game night roster for days or weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Both of them try and do too much, <laughs> and both of them go a little off the rails and do something stupid here and there. No. I, I know, it's shocking, and it's really hard to remember those incidents where it happens, but... I don't remember them. It's true, it's true. <laughs> yeah, he had he had surgery too, so... Um, I, I've always liked Kadri. Plain and simple. I think that if they could actually bring him in and return Bergeron, 
Toronto's always had players that I've liked. So, yeah. <clears throat> I don't like their franchise, and I don't like the way, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like, like the way they assemble talent. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that when you come right down to it, for most of the last two decades, always like Toronto and Edmonton and Vancouver and two or three other teams in the league have assembled talent without building teams. Yes. And there is a difference. Um, I've always liked Kadri. I always liked Zach Hyman. Who, by the way, is also playing. If you want to, if you want to, you know, put another little twist on this. It's a little bit of a reunion for Kadri and Hyman since Zach is playing for uh, Edmonton. And that's just another one of those mini storylines <laughs> that are going to play into this one. Um, it's been a couple of years since they played together because um, Kadri's been out there for three years uh, in Colorado. But going back to the Montreal story. Mm-hmm. Ken McMillan is indulging in even more magical what if than either of us. Really? Um, I didn't think that was possible. Well, he's assuming that the contracts of. Uh, or he's postulating that the contracts of Shea Weber and Petri can be moved. Oh, he's already got. Yeah, he's got. He's got Weber. He's got Weber's money. He's got Carey Price's money all tied up in long-term IR. He's got Petri being dealt somewhere. And this is how we're going to make it work and get Kadri. Um, I mean, sure, Kent Hughes probably has better relationships with a lot of GMs than. But is that the magical math? But <laughs> I, I, I'm not willing to buy that um sounds like magic math oh this and this is my this is my other favorite part oh two of the other names uh have free agents who are uh uh who who's who who he mentions are rumored and he does at least admit that one of them it makes no sense for him to come there but chris letang and patrice bergeron (laughs) And Bergeron is the one he says it makes no sense for him to come there. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> he's, Letang is 35 years old. Um, it doesn't make even... He does write it doesn't. Sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. On the other hand, isn't Letang French-Canadian as well? Yes, but... If he just it, 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 wants it, it, to it, it, play for his hometown team, and he's from Montreal, Montreal itself. I, I, okay. Is Montreal, I mean, is Pittsburgh actually going to win a cup in the next three, four years? No, neither is Montreal. Um, and no, if, offense, no offense to Montreal listeners, you're not winning a cup in the next three years. <laughs> If all he wants is to finish out his career with at least a season or two in the Blue Blanc and Rouge, while he's still playing reasonably effective hockey, and he is, he had 68 points in 78 games. He's not my favorite player, never has been, 
Nope. But effective is effective. Um, that said, he's only 59 games from playing his 1,000th game as a Pittsburgh Penguin. I'm not sure how much it means to players. To play for the hometown team. It depends. I mean, yeah. But, no, no, no. To play 1,000 games for the same franchise. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, for the same franchise is different than just... I mean, yes, you play 1,000 games, you play 1,000 games. But to say you played 1,000 games with one team, it's got a different... It's got a different kind of shine to it, you know? I mean, even if Latang only signs for one more year in Pittsburgh, and like a certain redhead who was traded to Florida, <laughs> immediately after the thousandth game, the trade the trade data is sent to the league office. Maybe he's playing there by the end of the year, and if he decides to hang them up, although based on performance, that doesn't seem to be necessary. Um... Maybe maybe he's there after the deadline. I don't remember. I don't know if they're actually going to get in 59 games uh, before the trade deadline this year. But if it's a one, if he signs a one season deal, plays the whole season, gets in his 59 plus games for Pittsburgh. Maybe it's not this offseason he signs in Montreal. Maybe it's next offseason. Because, yes, I can see a kid who grew up in Montreal wanting to play for that franchise at least once. Have one – because, I mean, he played played for the Val Dior viewers, uh, and my French is terrible, so I probably butchered that one. But he played in the queue – um, I am somewhat amused that I do not recognize any of the names on, on his uh, on his team. Okay, but where at Valdor? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, actually, I do recognize the the play some of the players from his final season. Uh, his final year, he did play with some guy named Brad Marchand. Imagine that. Um, does this mean we should start the uh, no. Crystal Tang to Boston rumors? Stop. <laughs> you need to stop that way of thinking. It's, it's. But just imagine adding his offense, especially if you get Kadri in. Just, if you want to bring Kadri in, I'm all for it. No on Chris Letang. Just say Chris no. Chris Letang paired up with uh, Matt Grizzlick. Just say no. Chris Letang paid up with Matt Grizzlick. Uh, first power this play is unit. Painful. Him and Brad with their reunion. Marshand. This is painful. Stop. Uh, Marshand and Taylor Hall on the on the first power play unit. You truly know how to hurt me. Stop. <laughs> Second unit. Uh, there is no stop. There is no Latang to Boston. Next, you'll be telling me, well, he eats the same colors. Yeah, because Pittsburgh stole them. No, no Latang to Boston. 
No. I know you want to change the dynamic of the or the elements of the three through six. First of all, you got to convince Latang that he's second or third pairing. That's about what he plays for minutes in 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 Pittsburgh now. Um, okay, so no. if Kadri isn't going to Montreal, because why would he? Um, and because Kadri, apparently he grew up a Leafs fan, according to this. Who is this guy again? Ken McMillan. Yes. Found an old found an old tweet from 2014. Somebody tweeted out a picture of Kadri and his dad in Habs jerseys. So, yeah, I guess Kadri to the Habs is possible. It's I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, I don't know that that's where he's going to go. I mean, they're not winning anytime soon. If he's worried about winning. No, it's not. It's just not an option. He might as well go to uh, he might as well go play in a 3000 seat arena with the Coyotes. Uh, and we'll get to them in just a minute. Um, spectacular. Nazim Kadri's wife, a couple of days ago, posted, uh, shared to social media some of the hate mail that she and uh, Nazim have received uh, over the last couple of days because of um, And threatened her, threatened him, threatened, gotten into all sorts of yeah, uh, gotten into all sorts of nastiness that he has apparently been putting. Well, he's been putting up with his whole career. Um, you know what I love most about the. The stuff that she shared. No, she, she didn't blank out anyone's names. <laughs> like nice. she, she has publicly named them. They post, they posted some pretty disgusting stuff. Uh, one of them uh, blanked out. You dirty piece of blanked out. Coming in our goalie because you can't blanked out score on him. I hope you spill rubbing alcohol in your eyes and go blind and then walk off a cliff, you dumb piece of blanked out. You should never have come to America, you blanked out immigrant. This is, of course, a second generation Canadian who's playing here uh, in Colorado. Um, let's see. Was he, four, was he four years old? His father brought. His father moved to Canada. No, his father was four years old. His father was Canada four. Years, so he's he's so Kadri was born in Canada. So Kadri was born in Canada. So he's Canadian, not anything else. He's of Lebanese descent. Yes. Um. Uh, Carter Weirgard on Instagram, who as of the time posted had 762 followers. Uh, David Perron is your daddy, you Muslim SOB. Um, yeah, you uh, lots and lots. Yeah, yeah don't you don't don't have to read the rest of that because it's just Hills. clearly this man has lots of time on his hands and 
possibly has never bothered too much to employ it usefully. Yeah, and too much alcohol or other substances hanging around the apartment. Oh no, the stupid could do that all by itself. Yeah, that's true too. I just it, it, these people are amazing to me. I, I, this is all because they in in a game of hockey in the game where contact happens they made contact with the goaltender and he had to leave the game and he couldn't come back for the rest of the series um first of all as we've said many times if you go watch the play it, Kadri is not solely responsible, nor is he actually primarily responsible. primarily responsible for the injury to Bennington. That would fall on your own defenseman, and I don't know his first name. I'm sorry, his last name is Rosen. Um, but That's to, have this ki- to have this kind of reaction to a hockey play is beyond my comprehension. And that's the key word there, because it was a hockey play. This wasn't anyone diving out of their way to take someone down. This wasn't swinging a stick irresponsibly or maliciously. This was something you see in hockey every single week of the NHL season. Is it, it unfortunate? It happened, like two, it happened like two nights later. Milan Lucic relived his Ryan Miller experience. I think that was a slightly different thing, and I would yes, it was, even, and he was more sure. than Miller. I would blame the goaltender in this case for being. Well, Mike Smith that came out of he came out of his speed. crease. Yeah, he came out of his crease, played the puck behind the net. Clearly, didn't make any attempt to, in any way, avoid the hit. Lucic was actually trying to spin away to not hit him. Ooh, ended it, up making contact. The idea that Lucic was trying to run him down and hurt him is so utterly bonkers. Well, they thought he was they thought he was trying to hurt Ryan Miller, too. So. But in the most recent case, I mean, you can see Lucic leaning and throwing his weight way back. And he started breaking well before contact. And he puts his hands out to stop himself from going into the glass over him and holds his body up so that the players behind him don't land on top of the goaltender either. Right. I think, I mean, I thought it was poetic justice that uh, that Smith got pulled in that case by the concussion spotters because he acted like he'd been whacked in the head with a Louisville slugger. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he threw back his head, his helmet came off, and he's laying on the ice looking like he's working on a daytime Emmy for – whatever soap opera uh, <laughs> it, I, like legit. There are times I want to throw sag, uh, scr- uh, sag cards onto the NHL ice. And like, I, there are some players that are very, very good actors. Yes. Like, uh, Bro- Brodeur was famous for this and I wanted to smack him for it every single time. Yeah. That said, I mean, Smith is having a great playoff run and I can't blame him for being upset about getting run into. But he should have made better decisions. And, and, Period. But that's but my point is that 
it happens frequently, you know, for it to happen again a couple of nights later in another series, it happens. People make contact with the goaltenders. It happens. Yes. You've got multiple people in the crease jamming at the puck, trying to score, trying to stop the puck. It's going to happen. And for a for a community to have this reaction and to, you, we've gone from hockey to uh, race to to yes. faith to yes. Stop. And I don't disagree, but I'm not surprised by it. Neither is he. It's sad. Yes. Um. And thank you, Ashley, for actually leaving their names attached. I love every second of that. <laughs> like, every bit of it. Um, Tempe, Arizona is holding a public meeting uh, so that uh, locals can tell the city council what they think of the plans for the Coyotes' new arena. Now, I labeled this one uh, this week on ridiculousness because... Quite frankly, I suspect that much of our audience is not old enough to remember the gong show, um, which basically I only ever saw in reruns anyways. But dive into this article, and the first major thing that stands out to me. Yes. Uh, I mean, first, they're being they're presenting plans to the aviation board because this is going to be near the or within 10,000 feet of Sky Harbor's uh, central runway could potentially cause flight delays and impact line of sight for pilots. Uh, that's going to happen when you throw up a big building near an airport. I mean, no, it, I know it's shocking. Um, but you get down to the third paragraph from the bottom And I quote, aviation officials also expressed concern that the developers didn't address the fact that a residential high-rise building planned for the development violates an intergovernmental agreement between Phoenix and Tempe, according to Fox 10's reporting. Really? So there is a legal agreement between two government entities, one of which already does not like the Phoenix Coyotes. Okay. In place that this would violate, and they're trying to press forward with it unaltered because? I haven't figured that one out yet. I... Be, what? I'm still I'm still baffled. I, I this. Uh, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> you have excuse me. Got to be kidding me. But they want your thoughts. My thoughts are get yes. the agreement amended or alter really the don't. plans and then we'll talk. I don't think they really want your thoughts. I think they're just asking, like, out of politeness. <laughs> I think they're probably required to for this sort of public works or public impacting event. Aviation. <laughs> 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 oh, goodness. 
it's near the airport <laughs> or it's near a flight. Was it, was it the near the airport or it's in the, or is it in a flight path? I, it's both like, Oh, it's we, within 10,000 feet of the central runway, central yeah. runway. Okay. So it's within 10,000 feet of the highway to the danger zone. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is getting out of hand again. As I said, this they, this looks like something uh, Deirdre, uh, Chanel West Coast, and Skilo Brown will be ta- would be talking about. It's just unfortunately ownership and the <laughs> tools that are ownership brought this on themselves. I I just don't get it. Um, and I feel I feel bad for the I feel bad for the organization. I feel bad for its fans. I feel bad for the players. But the the ownership group that has brought this upon themselves, they just go away. Let somebody who knows what they're doing, who likes hockey, take over and and stop. who pays their bills on time. Well, yeah, there's that too. That that could be important. That could be why they're homeless. Uh, the vagabond dogs. Um, speaking of homeless, uh, mm-hmm. there's one more coach who might no longer uh, be uh, on the outside looking in. Uh, reports and reasonably reliable reports, given that you know it was posted to the NHL website among other places, uh, indicate that John Tortorella has interviewed to be the next coach of the Flyers. Um, and well, I'm are... a John Tortorella fan in general. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think this could be a great match. <laughs> Not only is he a different voice than the two, than Elaine Vigneault, but I think the people in Philly are going to love his personality now that he's no longer coaching the Rangers. That is. Okay. Um, and I think that, you know, when the fan base likes a coach or at least appreciates a coach. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, it. It's good for their tenure. Um, and I can see, I can see Tortorella who's, what is he? 63 at this point. Um, and currently working for the four letter network. Um, although you never see him, and that's have, and that's probably why he's why he's interviewing for coaching. Have, you, have you seen him on any broadcasts? I can't remember the last time I saw him. It has been. I don't know if they 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 moused him or. Uh, I think it's been over. It's been over at least three weeks. I'm not sure I've seen him in the playoffs at all. Um, but <clears throat> I would love this. See, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I guess, I mean. Because I genuinely think that even with uh, Giroux gone, that the roster is still better than they performed last year. I had that team as a playoff team last year, and they were anything but. I think looking at who's on that roster now, you've still got Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, um, Atkinson, Konechny, Farabee up front. You've got uh, Provorov, Ristolainen, 
Um, out back, I think that there's there's work to be done. I'm certainly not penciling this one into the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, if for no other reason than they only have about 15 players, 18 players signed for the season at the moment. But they also have something on the order of... Yeah, I mean, they have some work to do. Uh, they they clearly have some work to do, but I think that this is a definitely a better team than where they finished. The one thing that I will say is that if they are going to bring him in, they better make sure that they have guys who have thick skin because I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois' skin is all that thick. He's another guy that I think... Uh, is going to end up someplace interesting uh, this offseason. I don't Pierre think he's going to land where he's coming from or where Pierre he is Lee. now. Okay. You don't think he's staying in uh, Winnipeg? No. I think that, that I think that Winnipeg, as much as it pains me, they just need to do a breakdown and do a teardown and reboot and reboot. And trade Connor Hellebuck to the Bruins. <laughs> um, Anthony Petrelli wrote uh, an interesting piece this uh, Friday uh, on how some of the teams, uh, how some of the deadline deals are working out for teams. Um, he covered pretty much all of the all of the uh, playoff teams. Uh, Boston's move for Brown and Lindholm probably working out like Josh Brown. They flipped for Zach Senishin and a fifth round pick. He played reasonably well. He provided depth. I didn't have any problems with the way that he played in his not very many games for Boston this year. Um, And Zach Senishin was never going to be a regular part of the Bruins lineup. Nope. Uh, Hampus Lindholm, I don't necessarily like the fact that they had to give up yet another first-round pick. But they also got rid of John Moore. Um, <laughs> addition by addition subtraction. By subtraction. Uh, and when he was healthy, Lindholm played really good hockey. Hampus Lindholm, his, his – Ability to make exits own passes. He adds off. He he adds some offense. He's not totally offensive defenseman. He's a he's, really good two way defenseman. That's oh yeah. Uh, Calgary Flames. I didn't. I didn't get their moves except for ty- getting Tyler to Foley in the first place. They picked up Ryan Carpenter. Meh. Kelly Yarncroke. Eh. Yon eh, Croak was more for defensive forward purposes. But Penalty even kill. there, he's not necessarily. Did it make sense Calgary? for Calgary? Maybe not, but. I think that their moves were basically a non-factor. Tavoli uh, didn't exactly. He I, didn't seem to have the impact when he went to Calgary. The impact that he had when he went to Montreal was much greater. Yes. It's like he went he to was Calgary also, and in yeah. in Montreal he was also one of their top forwards and was playing a lot more minutes. 
Uh, I will say that, you know, they gave up a first and two later picks to get to Foley, but he's also signed for two more years. I think that he can keep providing useful, uh, a useful play in that time. The Canes did almost nothing picking up Domi, who was basically on the scrap heap, and Tyler Inamoto. Well, Domi's um, on, what, his fourth team now? His fourth team. And, yes, he's the guy who scored those two goals to help eliminate the Boston Bruins. Um, I think that they they won the trade deadline based on expending very little and getting results out of it. Getting Max Domi. Yeah. The Avs picked up Josh Manson in exchange for Drew Hellison, who no one but his agent and mommy have ever heard of. Um, Andrew Cogliano and then Arturi Lakinen. Um See, no, I think they won. They're, they're going to the conference finals in... Because yeah. you want to talk about expending how much they had to expend. Cogliano cost them a fifth. Uh, Arturi Lekkinen from Canadians cost them Justin Barron uh, and a second. Okay, that's probably the most. And Hellison and a second. Now, those two seconds are in 23 and 24. So they kicked the can down the road, picked up Josh Manson, who's not a bad, def- not 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 the worst defenseman in the league. I like Josh Manson. Cogliano, Iron Man, actually. Uh, Terry Lekkinen, decent player, not great, not, eh, but eh, he's, he's all right. I, I, I think that what they acquired and what they got rid of. It balances in their favor. Yes. Um, Dallas actually got more impact than I thought they did out of uh, Nemesnikov and Wedgwood. Um, Wedgwood was surprisingly not meh. Well, yeah, I, I think that I think that Dallas's defense is underrated because their offense almost doesn't exist. Um, and you know he had shutouts over Tampa. He had a shutout over Tampa Bay. He won uh, in his debut against Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's that's four points that helped them get into the playoffs. Now, they're both UFAs, and watching Jake Ottinger was truly a delight. Ah, he's so good. Um, I, I really think that there ought to be a postseason award for best player in a given round, and I probably would have given it to Jake Ottinger. Because he yeah. was bonkers for a couple of games. I mean, I mean, we we're a little bit we're we're a little bit luckier than other places because we got to see him in college too. Absolutely, uh, Edmonton. Eh. <laughs> well, they did eh <laughs> in the moves department. Although I mean, they Derek did add a Broussard, defenseman, which to me is amazing. Derek Broussard has played one game for them. But they also only paid a 2023 fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't realized how much Kulak had helped um, Darnell Nurse simply by playing a whopping 17, 18 
a night. Well, does it mean that Darnell Nurse doesn't have to play 37 minutes a night? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not that much of an exaggeration over some over some months of his career. Um, I mean, I can almost tell you who the top five D men for time on ice are going to be every year. Yeah. Doughty, Darnell Nurse, Victor Mm -hmm. Hedman. Yeah, so if Brett Kulak can come in and actually give Darnell Nurse a break, that's definitely a bonus for Edmonton. Uh, it's not always splashy moves. Kulak was not a splashy move, but... No. I, now, see, the Florida moves, I think, like like Calgary, they went all in and they had every justification for doing so. Yeah, True. Um, Claude Giroux, no one should have anything to complain about from him. Eight points in ten games. Um, No, he didn't do very well on the power play, but the power play hadn't been good for a couple of days, for a couple of weeks anyways. Their lesser trades, meh. Yeah, they talk about being all in and they go and they get Ben Charrett and, and... But... What they brought in wasn't, I mean, with the exception of a Claude Giroux, I mean, what they brought in is a bunch of... They brought in depth. Eh. And they gave up Owen Tippett to get Claude Giroux. Now, a sneaky good trade was the Kings picking up Troy Stetcher uh, from the Red Wings. Well, I said the Bruins should have got Troy Stetcher when he was uh, in, uh, what was that? Oh, Vancouver. Yeah. And Troy Stetcher, yeah, he played in Vancouver before Detroit. Yep. Because I thought that the Bruins should have got him from being, before he ended up in Detroit. Uh, 28-year-old, although he's another small defenseman, 5'10", 184. I understand that. But not, like that ter- not that I think he's terrible or anything like that, but I Just thought he played really well. And if they can hold on to him, he's an undrafted, he's an undrafted player who has already played, who's, who's uh, going to crack 400 games this season, most likely. They got a couple of guys out there. Alex Iapalo was an undrafted. They got a couple of guys out there in L.A. They got somebody doing the right scouting. Now, Montreal, you can say, might have done themselves the most harm in trades because they traded. They brought in Flurry, They brought in Middleton. Uh, they brought in uh, Jack McBain. No, they, they sent brought out in Jack Nick They brought in Tyson Yost. That many moves, even if everyone's a great guy, it upsets the balance in the locker room. Well, they trade, yeah, they traded out the Jack McBain for a draft pick. I think the hard, I, I, I didn't understand trading Nico Stern for Tyson Yost. Tyson Jost. I, I, I don't get it. Um, I, didn't I understand. I genuinely that. think, I genuinely think they killed some of their chemistry. Yeah. 
this is the first time I actually can be critical of Bill Guerin. I mean, Billy's been making moves and he's been slinging trades and doing that and, and acquiring players. And I mean, overall, you'd have to give him a, a, a passing grade on what he's doing up there. But yeah, I had an issue with all of these moves. Well, I don't necessarily have an issue with all of these moves. I don't think that bringing in Flurry was nece- was necessarily bad. No, but I mean in in, in total, total, yes, yes. Just like you she said, might. it's very it's disruptive. I mean, trade deadline. I get it. You want to bring in a couple of players to beef up here and there, but the amount of moving in and moving out that he did, it, it, yes, he that would disrupt locker room chemistry. The Rangers, if they, I think the Rangers win anyways, because they went from a team that some of their play, most of their best young players had no playoff experience to now being in the second round and on the cusp of the third of the conference finals. Are they cementing themselves as the Boston Bruins slightly West? Uh, possibly, but I mean, they added Tyler Mott, Andrew Cobb, uh, Nick Merkley, Frank Vetrano, and Justin Braun, which is a lot of players. That's another one. That's another one that that a lot of players, I'm surprised. It takes, and maybe Gerard Gallant just is that guy, but it takes a coach to be able to pull that all together. And Gerard Gallant had to, had the ultimate pulling together. When you take over a franchise that none of those guys, they might have played together on other teams. But, I mean, to take 20 guys, whatever, 22 guys, you throw them in the locker room. That coach has got to he's, he's, get them all marching in the same direction. So maybe Gerard Gallant just maybe that's his hidden talent. Because he it did may it, well be. He uh, did it and he did it with the Vegas golden Knights brought them to the Stanley cup final. And now he's doing it again in the, in his first year with the Rangers and with all of these moves, which we just said can be locker room distressing. And he's getting production out of people like Vitrano had a terrible regular season and then scores seven points so far in 12 games um, coming off that admittedly terrible regular season. Um, cop has had 10 points in 12 games. Um, that's like, they won, they won their trade deadline. Um, they didn't give up too much and they're, they're a game. They're one win away from playing in the Eastern conference finals. Penguins added Ricard Raquel and Nathan Bula. Uh, I can never pronounce his last name for whatever reasons. Um, Bolia? yes, that one, <laughs> they went out early. They were always going out early. Lovely window dressing next. Yeah. Um, St. Louis blues. Eh. Well, as far as what they, as far as what they added was meh. I mean, you brought in Nick Letty, you brought in, I know who Nick Letty is. Luke Witkowski. Uh, nope. And sent out Sunquist and Walm. I, I, they didn't do a whole lot of 
anything. I mean, the Lightning are... Moves-wise. The Lightning are in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third year in a row. Yep. I thought Hagel was the the pick of all of the young players, you know, first, second year. We we talked about him. Extensively. Yes. Um, So they gave up... A fourth round, uh, two fourth round picks. Oh no, no, they acquired Hagel with two fourth round picks in exchange for Boris uh, Kadichuk, Taylor Radish, and two conditional firsts. They didn't pay nothing for him, but he's going to be there a while. He's going to be there a while, and he's been contributing. Yeah. And the sneakiest pick that no one ever, that trade that no one saw having an impact was Nick Paul for Matthew Joseph. Nick Paul, game seven against Toronto, um, (laughs) punched their ticket. Uh, Riley Nash, he's there. That's all you can say. He's there. Leafs, they won a playoff round for the first time in a long time. No, actually, I'm sorry, they didn't. They lost in the first round again. Yes. And this time they actually tried to bring in, they actually brought in a defenseman. No, they brought, yeah. They brought in Mark Giordano. They bring in a top-tier defenseman. They actually they brought in still, two defensemen because they brought in Giordano and Ilya Labushkin uh, from oh, the Vagabond right. Dogs. That's right. And yet... I mean, Labushkin still, will probably be there a couple of years. Still couldn't get out of the first round. <sighs> I, I don't know whether you call that a successful deadline or not. I mean, oh. the article here says that... You, uh, Turned out to be a pretty good deadline. I no, I don't know. Does it? Is it a good okay, deadline? It's not the fault of these two players that they didn't win. But the whole point of making deadline moves is to help you win. Is it not? That's the idea behind the trade deadline: is that you bring in those one or two pieces that are Not going to put, that you feel are going to put it, it, what the Rangers are doing is, is exceptional and odds defying. Yes. Most of the time you're going to have the reaction of what happened in Minnesota when you bring in that many people and change out that many positions. Like I said, that's why I'm saying Gerard Gallant, this has got to be his hidden talent. Because yeah. he did it with did it in Vegas, doing it again with the Rangers. So yes, you bring key, it, usually it's you bring in like one or two, max I would say three pieces that are going to put you over the top, or that you feel are going to put you over the top um, at the deadline. They brought in Mark Giordano. They brought in Ilya Labushkin. You shore up that defense, and you still couldn't get out of the first round. I don't think it's a team issue there's a mindset something is broken on that something is inherently wrong broken 
Or there's an elephant missing, I guess you could say. Um, Capitals brought in Marcus Johansson. Woohoo! And Johan Larson. Woohoo! And uh, our buddy thinks that this wasn't a terrible deadline. I mean, they're both deaf players. They both were on the ice. Well, they traded Daniel Sprung a fourth and a sixth for for Johansson. Seattle's just happy, just happy for the picks so that they can build up their farm system. Um, but not, I don't even think that getting Daniel Sprung is necessarily bad for uh, Seattle. No, I think it's good for Daniel Sprung, too, because now you're not on a franchise that has a guy named Ovechkin on it. And by by connection you become thrust into a bigger spotlight. I think being in Seattle, he gets to kind of well, hide away. In Seattle, <clears throat> the sky's the limit for whoever comes into camp this fall. That was my other point. Yeah. Um, and plays well. As like in Seattle, yeah. he could be a, he could be a, a, a possible he, star or he could be a top six player this, this fall. Yes. Um, because they don't, they didn't create a star for themselves in this in this first season. They the only have me. seven forwards signed at this point for next year. Is it that bad? They only have seven forwards signed for next year. Yeah, Everly, yeah. Schwartz, uh, Gord, McCann, uh, Wenberg, Donskoy, and uh, Beniers, Matty Beniers. That's it. Matty Beniers is going to be their star. Maybe, rookie, hopefully. Rookie of the year. Going to be rookie of the year next year. Um, but Donato, RFA, with arbitration rights. Geeky and uh, Morgan, Geeky, um, RFA, arbitration rights. Carson Kuhlman, RFA, arbitration rights. <laughs> Lind Cole, RFA, arbitration rights. The Daniel Sprung, RFA, Arbitration rights. That's the forwards. Um, Hayden Flurry on the back end. RFA arbitration rights. UFAs. Victor Rask, Riley Shahan. Gone, gone. Derek Pouliot. Gone. Um, and Derek they also Pouliot, have Derek Pouliot. Maybe not. But I think I think Victor Rask and Riley Shahan are probably gone. Likely, but I they think. still have moves to make. They also have four second-round picks this year. Yeah, so? And a first. Now, we can argue all day long about how many of those picks they should actually well, they use. Have, well, they have 12 total picks this year. <laughs> yes, because they also have those three fourth-round picks. Uh-huh. Um, and next year, they have almost as many picks because they have their own first. They have... Two additional seconds. Actually, they have, have more next year. They have, thir- they have 13 next year. Yeah. <laughs> and no, they should not use all of these picks. They oh, should be, why not? It's, they fun be to walk up. Up. it's fun to walk up and announce names. They should be trading up and getting the best players that they can this year, next year, while it's av- while they're available. I got a 
I got a winger I can trade them if they're willing to give up a couple of those seconds. Oh, go ahead. Tell me which winger. Oh, no. Obviously, we get. Yes, I want to trade Pasternak. No, I'm kidding. For two seconds? No. I'm sure I'm sure they could probably part with two. No, no, no. I just do the I don't even know what the Bruins have for picks at this point in time. I mean, they did. We can talk about that next week because yeah. we are running a little tiny bit over. Oh, OK, then we have a topic for next week. Hooray. I will hold my tongue until next week. Unlikely. Dead. Good. Good call. And that is the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, have a great week. We'll be back in seven days and seven nights and uh, enjoy the hockey.